Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzler. We have a great show tonight. We have some rock and roll royalty in the house, uh, talking about a great event coming out, uh, coming up, and a new record coming out. Uh, first of all, Mr. Tom Murray, the drummer for the original Litter that uh, got started in 1966, and uh, a fellow by the name of Mike Owens, who runs Blackberry Way Records. Uh, he started recording bands in 1974 uh, through 1993 and still has his label, Blackberry Way, and he's worked with everybody from The Replacements to Soul Asylum, Trip Shakespeare, and more. Uh, we have enough information here for several shows. We're going to try to catch uh, Capsulate the whole thing into one show. Let's start with Mr. Tom Murray, who I had the pleasure of meeting once at uh, Shaw's Bar, I believe. Tom, you're the original drummer for The Litter. And, uh, you know, I grew up, I'm a little younger than you, but I remember The Litter playing up at the Armory in my hometown of Virginia, Minnesota. You guys played a lot back then in Minnesota, right? Absolutely. And, yeah. Uh, we rocked the Iron Rage. Yeah. It was like, uh, uh, you know, sold out audiences when we, when we played up there and, and, uh, we just loved playing up there. When, uh, when did your first record come out? In 1967. Okay. That was a Distortions album. Okay. And, um, uh, we got, uh, one still a two day, a global song out of it, uh, called Action Woman. Okay. And I remember the first time, uh, I was actually, I, I was only like, you know, 16 going on 17. And, uh, we were in the car with my mom. And, uh, it, it came on the radio. On because the, uh, moms have to drive the band <laughs> to the gig, right? <laughs> you know, I was doing something with mom that day. Yeah. And, uh, and it came on and, and I, it threw me off because I went, God, I've heard that song. And then I realized it, w- it was the litter. And I went, Mom, that's me. That's me. And I, I think it was on WGGY. Um, okay. You know, uh, one of the big stations. And, and they really pushed the record. And it was it was a pretty big local hit here. Yeah. Well, you had three records come out between 1966 and 1968. Uh, and uh, what was the record... That uh, sold over five hundred thousand copies. It was a, a emerge album. Okay. And uh, the original singer with the first two albums, uh, Distortion Hundred Dollar Fine, was uh, Denny Waite. Okay. And then uh, uh, Zippy Kaplan, he was a guitar player, and they both quit at the same time. Okay. And so uh, we we brought in a singer called Mark Alger and uh, Ray Molina. Okay, and uh, we got a, our management got us a two record deal with ABC Probe. Okay, and uh, and we and so the first one uh, uh, emerged again. It uh, uh, it did really well. It was number one album in Puerto Rico. And, and, <laughs> did and, you get down there to play? Yes, we did. Oh, cool! And uh, and, uh, and it was nineteen nineteen cities uh, number one album in nineteen major Fantastic. cities. Fantastic. Who was yeah. managing you back then? Uh, Scott Deneen. Okay. Was that a local was, guy? or No, he was out of Chicago. Okay. And uh, it was just great. I mean, it was great times. And, and, uh, and uh, 
the, the, the one, I just want to share one story that yeah, things really happened is, uh, we got a call. We had a number one album in New York state and, and we were playing New York, you know, New York and Poughkeepsie, New York and, you know, some other places. And, uh, uh we got a call from uh, the Woodstock people and they said, would you like to play Woodstock? And, and our manager says, you know, got this Woodstock date. And we said, well, what's, this what little it? festival in Woodstock. Yeah, yeah, this little festival. And he spaced it out. And after about of a, course month, he did. a month and a half, or however long it was, when he finally got to the people, they said, sorry, the, the show's all booked up. And that was probably the biggest disappointment of the, the whole litter yeah. legacy. But you guys, uh, your lovely wife, Jan, just showed me on the phone a poster from, was that Chicago gig? It was Led Zeppelin, Jethro Tull. Who else was on that? Savoy Brown. Savoy Brown. Savoy yeah. Brown. So just uh, just drop some – you've also played with uh, with Alice Cooper when he was coming up. And then he uh, he became kind of a fan of the, of the litter. Yeah, we actually uh, – we were playing out in, um, in uh, 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 Venice – um, California. Okay. I think it was Venice or uh, somewhere around there. And uh, and we were staying at the Holiday Inn, and um, we we got kicked out because we were a little too rowdy. A rock know. and roll band. And, um, a rock and roll band getting kicked yeah. out of a hotel. Okay, I got it. I can, <laughs> I can picture that. So uh, we were playing this place called the Cheetah. Okay. And it was on Santa Monica Pier. That's where it was. And we were playing there with, uh, I believe, Genesis. And um, uh, i, I got to keep on thinking of the name of the band. The guys that did... Uh, uh, I'm spacing out. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes you forget those days. That's you know? safe. <laughs> Iron, but- Iron Butterfly. Okay, you know, yeah. So. Indigata De Vida. Yeah. And, um, and so uh, the lady that was running the venue... Uh, I can still play that drum solo by now. Anyway, yeah. as long as we're banging on the table. <laughs> yeah, you can play. You're the drummer. There you got it. There you got it. Um, and so she invited us to her house, you know, because we hadn't, we, we, we just, you know, we were kind of stuck there. Yeah. You know? And uh, so uh, I walked in the uh, in a foyer of her home uh, in casing. She had uh, one of um, the Beatles uh, drum heads, and which Ringo gave her this an original you know, right. Beatle drum head, and I was blown away. And out in the garage, uh, he wasn't Alice at the time, but he was Vince. Okay, uh, he was living in the garage. He had a snake, <laughs> and that's he had a we, snake in the garage. Yeah, yeah. And, of course uh, he did. So we we spent the night there, and then we we hung around. Uh, we were we were going up to uh, our next date was um, up in uh, San Francisco at the Fillmore out there, and. Um, uh, so we got to know him. You know, wow. we were hanging out. We we were there for about you know four or five days, and uh, and then he started to um, when he had his his uh, radio show on, on Sirius, uh, he would play the litter stuff. Cool. You know, and uh, um, and tell some stories about you know that. And I thought that was really cool. We're trying to get a, a hold of him right now. So Alice, if you're listening, yes, please get a hold of me. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to switch it over here. Uh, like I said, we've got so much information, so little time. To uh, Mike Owens, uh, the owner and main cat at Blackberry Way Records. Let's. Uh, we're going to just jump around in the, in the timeline here. But, Mike, with the show coming up at uh, Mancini's 
tomorrow on uh, uh, March 8th from 2 to 5 on West 7th. They're one of the best steak and martini joints uh, in Minnesota, if not the upper Midwest. You put out the new litter record, correct? Correct, yes. Okay, now tell us a little bit what's on there. What, what can we expect to hear? Um, it's a really good record with all sorts of different kinds of songs, really. There's a cover tune for what it's worth. That's by Stephen Stills. That's really good. Uh, the Miracle is kind of a kind of a fantasy type song, and uh, there's hard rock. There's a little bit of something for everybody on there, I think. And uh, Tom uh, used to book my band Fingerprints back in the day, and um, that's where we first kind of met a long time ago. Who else was in Fingerprints? Uh, Rob Henry, Kevin Glenn, Steve Felstead. Right, Steve Felstead, and myself, right. And, um, because Steve ended up uh, being an engineer for Blackberry Way. Well, he was one of my partners. Yeah, okay. Three of us from Fingerprints, Kevin Glenn, Steve Felstead, and myself okay. started the, the uh, recording studio in 1974. And the other kind of funny connection, I guess, is Paul Stark owned the house that we initially started wow. the business in, you know, we... Uh, for, and for those of you out there in the Wallenpower Radio or land that don't know, Paul Stark uh, was the prime mover behind uh, Twin Tone Records. Right, yeah. We we were in my parents' basement, and I'm sure they were ready to get us out of there, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. We actually recorded a few records there and stuff. Fun. And, but then Twin Tone was having their uh, tryout for the label that was just starting. And so it ended up the first three records on their label were... Fingerprints, the suburbs, and Curtis A. Right, and <clears throat> we Courtesy went to see a Curtis A. Yeah, we went down there to try out or whatever, you know, to audition. I guess would be the right way to say it. And um, we had better equipment than Paul did, and so we kind of got to know each other. And we needed a place to do it, and he was more interested in doing the label. So kind of a hippy dippy deal. We'd moved all our stuff down there, and that's how it started. But what's interesting is Paul was the sound man for Straight Up, which was Tom's band after the litter. And yeah. so Zeno lived there at the time, who was Cheap Trick's first singer, and became the lead singer of Straight Up. Somebody's got to do a Minneapolis St. Paul rock and roll family tree, like they used to do in Rolling Stone. Yeah. Because, I mean, you guys right there, there's a tree with several branches and, and roots. We've got uh, Mike Owens from Blackberry Way Records and Tom Murray, the original drummer, still the drummer for the litter. We're going to listen to that great litter hit from 1967, Action Woman, and we'll be back with these gentlemen for the whole show tonight. <laughs>
Some rockin' late 60s stuff, Dom, Tom Donahue. That uh, was the litter. Their song, Blue Ice. Man, that that, that was rockin', man. Ah, the whole album is really cool. Yeah. You know? and we, I, we, we changed the format. The first two albums we did was more the garage band's kind right. of sound and psychedelic, you know. And uh, then uh, when, when Denny left the band and Zippy left the band, that's uh, when we went to this this more hard rock. Was that Mark Gallagher singing? That was Mark Gallagher. So, who wrote the tune? That uh, particular one? Well, we all, I, I was co-writer on that one. Okay. So, yeah. where did you record? Uh, in uh, Detroit. Okay. Right outside Detroit. And our producer was, um, uh, his, his nickname was Punch. Okay. And uh, he did all the Bob Seger stuff. Really? Uh, MC5. Wow. He, he was... Mitch the, Ryder, probably. Uh, probably. Yeah. He did a lot of the Detroit bands. Hmm. And uh, so he came in, and uh, actually, we, we, we come, that album, we only, it only took 24 hours. Wow. We just went in there and rocked. Yeah. You know, and uh, uh, that, that was a great time. And, and uh, that, that's when the litter went national. Right. Right then and there. You know? And there is, there is an album out that's got half MC5 songs and half litter songs on it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Where, where can you track that down? On the internet, you know. Wow. It'll come up if you search for the litter. For those of you that just tuned in to the Wall of Power Radio Hour, this is your host, Paul Metza, with my guest, Tom Murray, the uh, prime over behind the litter, who's got a uh, new record coming out on the Blackberry Way label, with my other guest, uh, president of the label, Mike Owens. Tell us, Tom, going back now, you played... Uh, with dozens of bands that are now just part of the American and British consciousness, but you played with Pink Floyd when they had Sid Barrett. Yeah. Where was that gig? Uh, that was in New York. Okay. And uh, it was called the Cheetah Club. Okay. And um, uh, it was really cool. How old were you guys back then? I was around 21. Wow. Yeah. You must have just been having a ball. Yeah, and, and it's... Every band that we played with, because I learned from the biggest ones, the Zeppelins, the Who's, right. the, the, the Pink Floyds. It, it was, to me, and it was about the litter was the attitude. Right. You know, and without an attitude, uh, you're just normal. Well, speaking of attitudes, you guys played with the Who, and had, who had uh, any bigger attitude than Keith Moon? Do you remember that gig with the Who? I have a story about that if you'd like to hear it. I certainly would love to hear that, Tom. Yes. <laughs> we were playing in Chicago at this really, I think it was uh, uh, the auditorium, but it, it was a venue that it was like levels that went up and it, mm -hmm. it was all gold. And that was uh, uh, when the Who were doing Tommy. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I was hanging with them and I thought sure. it was really cool. And 
Uh, well, hanging with the hanging with the Who is cool, <laughs> for sure. Cool. And, I, and I was into uh, uh, this cat named uh, uh, Meher Baba. Yeah, sure. And, uh, and I was talking with Townsend because I was wearing a Meher Baba, you know. Okay. Pin. Yeah, and, and, and Townsend was into that guru, too, right? Yeah, and uh, the song um, uh, Bob O'Reilly, uh, right, he wrote right. that. And he wrote albums for, you know, uh, for him. And... Uh, uh, so we're, we're doing the show. First song, place is packed, you know, and uh, I break my drum head, my snare head, and uh, and my roadie always sat behind me, and so and I always carried two, yeah, two snares. Sure. So boom, one went off, the next one went on, and I broke that one right. on, on the second song. So I am freaking out. You're a madman. And and the, that was the old. Days of the snare drum, they had the little key, and you had okay, to keep on sure. screwing it off. Yeah, you know, used a different one. And from the side wings, I hear, "Hey!" And here's Keith, and he has his snare drum nice. in his hand, Solidarity. and he goes here, and he throws it. So <laughs> my, my, my tech, you know, had the drum, and. And, and I didn't want to pound it too hard, so right, I, I right, made right. sure that I wasn't going to break that sure, one. Sure, don't break keys. But, you know, ever since that day, um, I always told my techs, wherever concert we're doing, if any drummer ever has a problem, you make sure that, you know, you, hey, I love you that. help them out, you know. And, uh, and I was blown away. I'm just, you know, just going, how cool is this? So you what, uh, were you guys playing festivals, too? Because rock festivals were just starting to happen back yeah. then. Yeah, we were doing some of them. Um, uh, one, uh, I remember, uh, it was in Madison, Wisconsin. Okay. And, uh, Mad Town. And, uh, we were on after, uh, Grateful Dead. <laughs> and, and the Grateful Dead, you know, it was supposed to be 45 minutes. Set, right, not the dead. But the dead, you know, yeah. they, they didn't care. So they were on and on and on and on. So we got all drunk waiting to go sure. on stage. And, and, uh, I always remember that kid because uh, I, I like, Hated the, them for a while, <laughs> right? Because we sucked that night. That was the right. only the only job we ever sucked. You were hammered, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but yeah. um, uh, and, my, and and again, my most famous story is we were we were playing with Zeppelin, and we do a two two day gig there at uh, the Connecticut Playground. It was called, and then they changed it to the Electric Theater. Uh, it was on uh, uh, in, in North Side of Chicago. Okay, and. Uh, uh, there were it, there were five thousand inside, and those were the days where everyone would bring pillows and right. sit on the floor, you know, take acid and you know, right. and, and have a good time. And uh, so it was trip the light, inside. fantastic, as they <laughs> yeah. said. And there were twenty thousand people outside that couldn't get in. Wow! To the show, and that was Savoy Brown, Les Zeppelin, Jeff Lotol, and the Litter. And uh, so that that afternoon, um, I went to the venue. No one was in it, and. Uh, uh, I start. I would always practice, and John Bonham comes walking in <laughs> with another. Tom Murray, you are such a name dropper. Keep going. Okay. Paul, Paul McCartney told me years ago, Metsa, don't be dropping names. You know. But anyway, keep going. Well, I have to drop this because this was <laughs> no, the, the greatest moment of my drumming career. Yeah, let's talk more. And so he came in with a, with another double kick, and he played it for a while. He, he, he said, "You know, can I? Can we jam?" And I'm going. Yeah. Were you, you know. doing one kick drum or two yourself? Uh, two. Okay. And um, uh, uh, Ginger Baker influenced me to do that when we played with Kareem. And uh, so here we are. Uh, uh, we're jamming, just John and I. 
and uh, we're, we're doing each other licks back and forth. And I, I'm just in heaven. I'm just going, God, yeah. John Bonham. Yeah. How cool is this? And uh, But he, he played his double kick for every five minutes, and he said, nah. And he threw it all the way across the hall. And he, so I think I was probably one of the only people that ever saw him try to do a double kick. You know? <laughs> and then after that, all the other drummers came in. And, it, and, and no one was in it. It was the afternoon. It was close. Right. And then all the bands came in. And it ended up with one huge jam session for every one of these bands. Wow. You know? That's incredible. We will be back uh, in the third segment of the Wall of Power Radio Hour with my guest, Tom Murray from The Litter and from Black Bayway Records, Mike Owens. Welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzler. We just heard a track called 60 Cycle Rumble by my guest, Mike Owens, also the president of Blackberry Way Records. Where does, I should know this, what is the reference, Mike Owens, with that great tune of yours, 60 Cycle Rumble? What's the reference to 60 Cycle? Well, there's a hum that you get in a tube amplifier. Okay. And um, I think that's where it came from. I just needed a crazy name for the song, and I right. just... It's not even in the lyric or anything like that. Well, then our good mutual friend, Brian Drake, had a band called 60 Cycle Hum. That's right. He probably stole it from you, that plagiarist. No, yeah, I probably stole it from him. (laughs) (laughs) We love Brian Drake. In fact, we're going to play a uh, Brian Drake tune in the fourth segment of the show tonight. It's a really interesting kind of um, mixing of the decades here in the musical styles because we have uh, uh, Tom Murray from The Litter, uh, the drummer, who is really kind of came of age in the in the uh, mid to really the late 60s with his band The Letter. And then uh, uh, Mike Owens with Blackberry Way Records, you guys were really on the cusp of the late 70s and certainly early 80s punk scene, right. uh, recording at your studio, Soul Asylum, The Replacements, Trip Shakespeare, The Suicide Commandos, The Flaming O's. Uh, tell us how that really came about with your relationship with Paul Stark? Yeah, really. We When we first, with my band Fingerprints, we tried out for Twin Tone. And, of course, my good friend I grew up with, Peter Jesperson, was part of the Twin Tone uh, hierarchy. hierarchy. and um, The gatekeeper. As we said uh, earlier in the show, uh, we had better equipment than Paul did at the time. And so we formed a mutual bond and moved in there and... Um, so we recorded all the early Twin Tone stuff as well as whatever came in off the street. And, um, and so where was your studio? 606 13th Avenue Southeast in Dinkytown. Okay. And we were there for years. We eventually bought the building from Paul and um, eventually became a full 24-track facility. We started off as a – we had a one-inch, eight-track and um, – 
you know, it was uh, really cool times, and I wish, like nowadays, everybody's got a phone with a camera on it. And, yeah, right. And back then, there's hardly any pictures, but yeah, if we could yeah, have yeah, pictures, yeah. I mean, we had Marshall Crenshaw come through, and we opened for Blondie at the Longhorn, and they came after the after the show. Right. And, uh, but if had there been cell phone cameras and videos back then for how you guys were partying, you would have all been in jail. Well, probably. Yeah, <laughs> there's some truth. There's some truth to that. Tell us, uh, tell us a great uh, replacement story because "Let It Be" was recorded at uh, Blackberry Way, and that's considered one of the most influential records of the modern era. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I remember Peter Buck hanging out from REM. He played on a track called "I Will Dare," and, sure. um, and then he fetched beer and stuff like that. So. Um, but we'd have that was just normal, you know. People'd be coming in and out, and and you didn't really think that much of it. You were just living it every day, you know. Um, I remember Bob Stinson um, talking to him one day when I was telling him because I think it was at a point in time when fingerprints had broken up and the Commandos had broken up. Of course, and, Bob is, of course, for those that you don't know, the uh, lead guitarist for the Replacements. Correct, correct, and yeah. a great guy. A good, and, uh, Good record store and guitar store buddy of mine, but keep going. I was trying to give him some advice, you know, from yeah. an older guy. That, sure. You know, enjoy this while you can because right. sometimes your next band, even though it's good or maybe even better than your first band, sometimes it just doesn't click. You don't automatically go from, you know, everybody packing the clubs to everybody right. still packing the clubs. Right, and right. And, and Bob's going, yeah, well, if I get out of this band, I'll just get in another really good band, you know. So he wasn't he wasn't hearing any of it, but from from uh, hero to zero, as they say. Right? Yeah, and we asked to give uh, uh, Tommy rides because he wasn't of age yet and stuff like yeah. that. So Tommy Stinson. So he couldn't drive. So sometimes we give him rides home, or you know. I remember because uh, I grew when I moved to Minneapolis in '78. I uh, lived six blocks away from. Uh, Orfolk Jokopis, where Jesperson worked, of course, and and uh, every rocker in that time hung out and bought records. But I remember Tommy Stinson, maybe at 13 years old, hanging out on his lunch hour down there. Right, yeah. You know, and I started hearing about him and got to see him early on. Uh, but you also, and now we're going to... We're going to weasel back to our other guest, Tom Murray from The Litter. You also recorded The Trash Men at Blackberry Way. Yeah, we did, yeah. So now, Tom, going back, what uh, Minnesota bands were you playing with before you really, well, even after you hit nationally with The Litter? Did you play with The Trash Men? Um, I was never in The Trash Men. No, did you play with them? I mean, oh, The Litter. Uh, no, they were before my time, but, okay. I, but I did go see them. I, right. I was probably... Thirteen at the time, right. maybe, and uh, but I, I remember seeing the underbeats, right? And uh, uh, I, and I was going, "This is cool." Yeah, I mean, it was the early '60s bands that that I saw that were local, right? And, Tom, you played in the Castaways briefly too, didn't you? Oh, yes, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. um, we, we took a. It was kind of uh, Denny Craswell. Uh, we went to school together, and we used to, you know, come home from school, and one week it would be at my house, and we'd jam together. Right. And, you know, so Danny was a really close, you know, friend, you know, when we were going to school. And then uh, then suddenly and I got where a call. And where did you grow up? Where did you go to high school? Uh, to Edina. Okay. But I was in Edina, and I was wearing uh, Italian shoes and tight right. pants. Where um, and riding motorcycles, and everyone was in GTOs and right. and uh, 
and uh, wingtip shoes. And so right. I, I, I was the, Cutting the James Dean of Edina, yeah. let's say that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, 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 and so um, uh, then Dick Roby called me and uh, said, hey, we're, we have a Canadian tour and with, the, with the castaways. And I said, oh, cool. You know, and so I, I went uh, and did a whole Canadian tour with the castaways when I was before the litter. And, and I got back from that tour, and I went to the state fair, and I played at the B Sharp booth. Some guy, some guy offered me. He said, "I'll give you a hundred bucks if you can do an hour solo." Right. I said, "No problem." Yeah. So we did an hour solo, and and uh, was that an hour drum solo? An hour drum solo. Are yeah. you kidding me? Uh, yeah, I, I was. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Had to be in shape. But I wanted a hundred bucks. Well, hell yeah! And a hundred back, a hundred dollars back then was five hundred dollars now. Yeah, and the two bands that merged it, that what became Litter was the Tabs and the Victors. Okay. And they saw me. They were right there, and they saw me at the fair, and they went, "You want to play with us?" Wow. And I said, "Yeah." And so that's how it all started. You know, you think about uh, there was a great uh, memorial for Jim Johnson from the Underbeats at Shaw's Bar, where I play every. Thursday night at 5.30, uh, 16th and University. And so James Walsh was there and the original roadie for the Enderbeats. And you think back at that mid to late 60s rock and roll scene, man, the Trashmen, the Litter, the Underbeats, the Castaways. And then you had all the local bands that didn't get the uh, national claim that maybe guys like the Litter and the Castaways got, but you had Lonnie Knight's Joker's Wild and the Dell Counts. I mean, it was, Minneapolis was one rock in town back then. It was, and it carried the scene through today. There's no no other scene what Minneapolis has done. And that's why it, the, the, the party and the release party that we're having, uh, there's going to be over... 60 bands that are from that era. And that's coming up tomorrow from 2 to 5 at Mancini's uh, Charbar on West 7th. And Mike, you said there's going to be a DJ there uh, playing music by as many of the guys as he's got time to play. Yeah, Michael Ware, who has a show, Mike's Minnesota Warehouse, and he's got an extensive collection of and knowledge of all the Minnesota bands over the years. And so he'll be DJing and playing uh, tracks, and we're hoping he can kind of coordinate it where if somebody from Stillroven happens to walk by that he can play Hey Joe and maybe talk to somebody. Yeah. And, and the concept here is if at least one person from each band committed to us to be there, um, then we write them down on the list that there will be a representative of, of that particular band. And uh, we've got everyone from the Suicide Commandos to the Trashmen to... The April Fools, Joker's Wild, you know, obviously the Litter and uh, Pepper Fog. Yeah, our, sure. Our great friends Dale and Greg. Yeah. And um, Tetanoir and the Underbeats and stuff like that. So the list goes on and on, and um, it should be a great day. It's there's going to be what we got about eighty bands that people have committed from bands to be there. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much around you know somewhere 70, in that area. So. And uh, everyone's excited. Everyone's going, you know, because when I when I thought of this uh, to um, to have, because I was going, okay, we're going to do the litter vinyl release, and uh, and I'm and, and and I needed something else, you know. And I thought, let's let's take the last sixty years of of the the royalty and the people that made records, you know, for the last sixty years, and uh, get get them all together because we're losing. 
Oh, yeah. We're losing cats, you know, every, just about every Yeah, month. no, and it's it's a good hanging. Uh, you know, Mancini's, they did, uh, uh, I have a TV show with Wall of Power uh, TV, and we went down and uh, taped uh, the reunion of Gypsy at Mancini's two or three years ago. And uh, number one, Pat and John Mancini do a great job as hosts of that bar and uh, lots of parking, which is cool. Jim's um, going to be there, with James Walsh. Oh, great. He's going to be there. And so uh, it's going to be a great hang. And you're absolutely right. we got to get together every chance we get it because, like they say, you only get one day at a time. So, Mike Owens, uh, tell us about... I was around, and I remember it, but I wasn't a hands-on punk rock guy. I was, I've always been a folk and blues guy. But it must have been exciting working with, you know, the, these bands we mentioned, the, the Commandos and, and Soul Asylum and the Replacements and Trip Shakespeare, to watch that part of the Minneapolis sound. Uh, as a, you know, not the, not the Prince Minneapolis sound, but the, the white rock and roll uh, rock and roll sound start to come together and really to get national attention. Yeah, it was. And it was the funny thing is it's always referred to as the punk era, but I don't think too many of us really considered ourselves punk bands. We were all just right. doing our version of the Rolling Stones and the right. Beatles or whatever. Um, you know, more blues based rock and stuff like that. Um, but it got to be called New Wave and right. you know, New Wave used to be well, Tom Petty and Bruce Springsteen right. and Blondie, Elvis Costello and Bonnie. Right. It's a new group of people, a new age group of people in their 20s. Eventually, it got to be a kind of music. Right. And so then, oh, you play at the Longhorn. Well, you can't play here because you're a new wave band. You know, right, We'd run right. into that because we'd play all over the state and, you know, Chicago and stuff like that. And now we are all old, grizzled vets. Yeah. We've got Mike Collins from Blackberry Way Records on and Tom Murray from The Litter. We've got one more segment on the Wall of Power Radio Hour. Stick around. We'll be back after these messages. Welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzen. We just heard a little bit of my good friend Brian Drake's song, Bell of Stone, off the April Fool's record, Third. My guest, Mike Owens from Black Bay Way, Tom Murray from The Litter. Let's talk a little bit about Brian Drake. I just, uh, he also has day job. He's a great uh, mortgage guy out at RBCU, and he set me up with my refive. I want to thank him on that. But now he's rocking harder than maybe he's ever rocked before. Where, how far do you go back with Mr. Drake? Oh, God, we go back to about 19, I want to say 84, 83, somewhere in there. Um, he came to Minnesota to record. Well, they came to Minnesota, and he had a band called The Quiz. 
And um, in Wisconsin, boy, right? Yeah, from Wisconsin, and uh, they recorded at the studio, and so we met at that point in time. And um, as bass player at the time, Gary Many um, became my bass player in the Idle Strand eventually because I stole him from from Brian. I guess. See how you are. Yeah. See Always. how we are. And. Um, but we go way back, and then uh, his band, Idiot Savant, um, was the first band we signed to the label. Uh, in addition, of course, we had the Idle Strand, and we were the label, so I, I pretty much count Idiot Savant as the first band that we actually signed to the label. Okay. So for Brian, it's kind of a full circle thing. You know, we started out in those days, and we recorded a band he had called the Fontanas as well. Yeah, I remember um, the Fontanas, great name. Um, we're looking to try to remaster some of those songs and maybe get that reissued. It never really came out. and um, But the new album's really good, um, great variety of stuff. Uh, my wife's in the band, Terry Owens. Okay. And she was in the Flamin' O's and Tet Noir and the Babysitters. Yeah, and, I used to play with Tet Noir back in the day. And, of course, years. Tom used to book the Babysitters, so there's all these connections that keep coming back, I guess, over so that great, uh, that, that great tree of rock and roll here in Minnesota. Tom Murray, you um, uh, also are kind of a mentor to a handful of younger bands, like um, the Carnegie's. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, in my opinion, they're, they're the upcoming... Uh, band of that people should really check out in in Minnesota here. Uh, they're they're into doing their own thing. Yeah, and yeah. they've got the look. Royce and Roman Mars, twin brothers, uh, nephews of Chris Mars, drummer for for the Replacements. It's all kind of connected, isn't it? Yeah, and they're uh, they're in the studio now doing their next album. And um, uh, these kids. Yeah, that's why I call them kids. You yeah, know. well, they are twenties. You know, in the twenties, and uh, they uh, they they have the gift. Yeah, you know, they really do. And uh, uh, my, my, I've always said in in in, in my whole career that you know, your talent is God given, your fame is public given, and your ego is self given. So yeah, watch out. Yeah. That's sage advice from a from a elder of rock and roll, Tom Murray from Miller. Tom, if you, I, I know you've had you've played thousands of gigs every life, but if there's one where you're sitting around one day, going, man, I couldn't believe that happened. That was that cool. And there's probably a handful of gigs like that, but one off the top of your head, one of your favorite gigs of all time. I think I, I, I have two in mind. Go ahead. And it's when we played with Led Zeppelin and when we played with um, uh, The Who. And uh, it was just, you know, uh, it was incredible. And again, uh, I learned. I was there. I, get, I, I was talking to them. And, and that's when I, I realized that these people are rock stars. Yeah, you know, I did have w- w- one thing with, w- with the Stones uh, when I was at Shone. 
and the Stones were coming in, and uh, I greeted them. So, yeah, you know, I met them. <laughs> yeah, but this was back with the Who and Zeppelin. You were fellow; they were fellow musicians. Yeah, we had our records out. You know, we we were in a uh, you know we were called a support band in those right. days. That we did have our records out, and people would bring our their records for us to sign. I imagine some of those early litter records, the forty fives or the albums, must be going for a nice chunk chunk of ch- uh, coin on uh, eBay. Uh, if you can find an original uh, Distortions, which is the first one, uh, it's been anywhere from four to seven thousand dollars. Wow! For that one, uh, hundred dollar fine is uh, uh, around uh, four to five hundred. Wow! Um, and then uh, too bad you didn't have a, a closet full of any of those. Huh? Yeah, at least a box. <laughs> at least <laughs> one box. I thought of that many times, you know. <laughs> I remember Jerry Garcia saying something years ago that you should keep at least ten copies for yourself of any record you put out or were on. Yeah, I do have a copy of the original one, but one time I left it in the sun and uh, uh, it warped. <laughs> So I, I brought it over to. Uh, you can't take an iron and get it back flat again. Uh, well, uh, who was it, Mike? Yeah, John Cass. If you know John. Oh, I know John. Uh, he took the record and tried. He had a, a way to do it, but he couldn't even do it. You know? Tom Murray's been so great talking to you. We just got about a minute left, Mike Owens. I have to ask you: um, the replacements, let it be, is considered one of their greatest records. One of the greatest records of the time. Do you remember what it was like hearing those songs and then, like, the finished versions? There had to be a certain amount of magic and mojo and, and excitement in the studio. Well, yeah, there was. My my partner, Steve Felstead, did the engineering on that record. And um, I, remember, I remember being in Peter's apartment when they sent their first cassette in, you know, that was right. real, real rough. And, and Peter could hear right away the... the songwriting and Paul's, yeah. Paul's voice and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was fun watching them evolve from the very first things they did to the, to Let It Be because Let It Be had a professional sound to it, which I know some of their fans aren't going to like to hear that because right. they, for some reason, don't want it to be professional. Right. But, but it was. It was you know, a really good record, good songs. Well, you two guys, uh, Mike Owens and Tom Murray, Thank you so much for sharing these stories and your music on the Wall of Power Radio Hour. We're going to have to have you back on because uh, we're, I, I have a feeling we're just, it's just the tip of the iceberg here. But uh, we will see you tomorrow at Mancini's for the release of the new litter record and uh, hanging out with a bunch of our old uh, rock and roll buddies. So once again, thanks for being on the Wall of Power Radio Hour. Uh, thank you so thank much. Thank you, Paul. All right, well, and, and good luck with the new record. Thank you very so much. Thanks for listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. The show is produced by Paul Metza, engineered by Brett Johnson. We'd like to thank our guests, Mike Owens and Tom Donahue. Follow me at paulmetza.com every Thursday night at Child's 530 to 730 with Sonny Earl. And like my dad used to tell me, remember to be kind and make someone happy. The high and the mighty will-